Good evening, Genesis fans. This is Nick Stevens here with a special treat for you tonight. This is a new Genesis Gems episode, but it's not quite a new podcast episode. Back on September 21st of 2013, on the Retro Junkie Super Show, we talked about Streets of Rage. It was myself, Rob Luther, Landon Long, and John Wedgworth. For me, I consider this a gem. Uh, we didn't want to do this game again because we already talked about it, but we thought it'd be a cool idea just to re-release it here on this feed, and so all you listeners could hear some of the great stuff we talked about, an awesome skit, and just some great conversation. John has great knowledge about everything Sega Genesis related with the sound, the music, all the ins and outs of that, so we really wanted you all to hear this version of Streets of Rage, and hopefully we can go on to Streets of Rage 2 and 3, but this is the episode of Streets of Rage. We will call this a Genesis Gems episode and a Retro Junkies episode, so we hope you enjoy. The year was 1991. The town was once a happy, peaceful place. Until one day, a powerful secret organization known as Sega of America took over. This prolific syndicate soon had control over children and even the adults on the block. The town had become a center of quarreling and strife. Kids and adults alike fighting for a chance to play a single game. No one was safe. Amidst the turmoil, a group of determined young gamers had sworn to clean up the town from selfish gaming and jealousy. Among them were Rob Luther. Landon Long, Nick Stevens, and John Wedgworth. They were willing to risk anything, even their lives, so that everyone could play The Streets of Rage. I'm not sure I'd risk my life. (laughs) No, you would. Play along, you would. Oh, okay. Yes, I would totally risk my life. (laughs) Streets of Rage was released for the Sega Genesis in September of 1991 as an answer to Capcom's arcade beat-em-up Final Fight, which was ported to the Commodore 64, Amiga, Atari ST, and Super Nintendo within the same year. Streets of Rage was designed by Adamiya Sensei, who also designed Revenge of Shinobi, Strider, and The House of Dead 3, as well as the following two Streets of Rage sequels. Hiroki Chino uh, designed Sonic CD, E-SWAT, City Under Siege, uh, and Rascal Kane designed Formula One World Championship, uh, Beyond the Limit. They are all credited with designing Streets of Rage as well. Streets of Rage was met with very positive reviews in the early 90s. While Sega Pro and Joystick Magazine gave Streets of Rage a 96 uh, out of 100 rating, respectively, Sega Power gave it a perfect score of 100, cementing Streets of Rage as one of the uh, very first games to ever earn a perfect score in a Sega Magazine publication. Due to its huge success on the Sega Genesis and uh, Mega Drive, Streets of Rage was later ported to the, the Game Gear in, in 1992 and the Sega Master System in 1993. So, guys, uh, let's start with you, Lando. Uh, what was your first memory playing Streets of Rage? My first memory of playing Streets of Rage was in a Walmart, actually. They had the, it was back, you know, when you could go and you could play the games. I mean, I, I guess you can still do it at the Walmart. Uh, the Walmart. Uh, <laughs> you know that one. Yeah. That one, you know, the one everybody goes to. Uh, went to Walmart, you know, they had the Sega Genesis, the little controller hanging out in the TV, and they had Streets of Rage in the, in the console, and it was close to the holiday season. You know, I'd ask... Santa and mom and dad and everybody else I could talk to that was <laughs> buying Christmas presents if I could have a Genesis that year if they could get me a Genesis and that was the first time I played Streets of Rage and I have to say I got hooked on it really really quick but the thing is others may be guilty of this as well I played Final Fight first and I was comparing it to Final Fight the whole time I was playing it back when I was younger I kind of thought well I like Final Fight better you know I played it first so hey it was better <laughs> but the supremacy of the primacy that's right. 
yeah, that uh, that was my first memory with it. And then, you know, as I got older, I got to, you know, collecting the, the games from my youth. And that was one of the first ones I picked up. And I have to say, I really, really enjoy it. That's still one of my favorite beat-em-ups to play to this day. How about you, John? Uh, well, you know, this is actually kind of uh, anticlimactic, but I had the misfortune of playing Streets of Rage 2 before I played Streets of Rage 1. And um, Streets of Rage 2 is so much better. I was actually kind of underwhelmed at the, at the time. I'd started with Final Fight, and from a graphics perspective, I, I know I'm a, gen, I'm a Genesis guy overall in terms of graphic sound, all that stuff. Uh, but in the case of Streets of Rage 1 versus Final Fight, I really do think the graphics were better on Final Fight. Um, the character sprites were bigger, they were more detailed, the amount of animation was comparable, the levels were probably more detailed, uh, or about as detailed on the Super Nintendo one, the uh, Final Fight. Um, so I actually thought initially that it seemed kind of phoned in. But the more I got to play it, the more I realized just how solid of a game it is. Even though I still think the Final Fight looked better than Streets of Rage 1, uh, and Streets of Rage 2 looked a million times better than Streets of Rage 1. You play Streets of Rage 1, do this. Uh, anyone who has both of these games, uh, play Streets of Rage, and then play Streets of Rage 2, and all of a sudden you see how much how good the animation is on 2. It's like you're watching a cartoon. Uh, the animation is so good on 2. And I think, I think by the time Streets of Rage 2 came out, it was far and away the better series than Final Fight. I think Streets of Rage 2 beats Final Fight, and Final Fight 2 and Final Fight 3 uh, by a long shot. But the thing that grabbed me right away, and I'll save my thoughts on this for, for a little bit, um, is just how amazing the music was. Ah, my goodness. The music is probably what sold me on this. But So what, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with John. I played Streets of Rage 2 first. And then uh, eventually when I got my own Genesis, which was uh, many years down the road, because uh, a friend of mine had Streets of Rage 2, I, I bought the cartridge that was it's just called Six Pack. It's got, oh, nice. got, got Sonic and Golden Axe, and it has the first Streets of Rage. So I played a... Uh, the first Streets of Rage a little later, but the good thing was when I, as far as memory goes, it had been such a long time since I played Streets of Rage 2 that it was kind of like a new experience again because I just I always just played at a friend's house and you know it was just kind of a pick up and play type thing. But uh, I I agree I like this game a whole lot better than Final Fight. Um, the whole series is that way, and I and I, I did play Final Fight first, and I'm a huge fan of like Mike Hagar from Final Fight. I think that guy's awesome. I mean, it, a, a dude who's a mayor who just strips off his suit, he's wearing suspenders, and that, that's a pretty cool character. <laughs> that, that's a pretty cool character. But I but I, I do like the gameplay of Streets of Rage a whole lot better. I like when you grab someone, you can hit the jump button, and they do that little like uh, cartwheel over the guy. I mean, it, there's a lot of cool little little things in Streets of Rage that uh that I really enjoyed. So yeah, that, that was kind of my memory there. Nice. Yeah, and, and I'll add a clarifying there. Um, I do think that Streets of Rage 1 is a better playing game, a funner game than Final Fight. It just doesn't it just doesn't look as good. The first one I ever did play was the original Streets of Rage. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, it was kind of nice. Uh, my neighbor and stuff, we, we would go over his house uh, uh, every Thursday. And uh, he, he always had like a Sega Genesis in, in, his, uh, in his room. And I, I, uh, I remember when he first got the Streets of Rage. Uh, and I went over there and I played it with him. Um, and it was just... I'd never played Final Fight before, so I really had nothing to compare it to, but I remember how I felt then, especially when we were, you know, uh, playing at co-op, uh, and it was just so much fun. Like, like what I remember the first time playing it was that uh, you could actually throw your your friends or throw the, you know, the other player who's playing the game at the enemies and stuff, uh, and you could still damage the enemies that way. And I just remember that being like, I, I, never, I had never seen that in a video game before, that uh, you could use teamwork like that. Um, so well 
and, and I think there's another way. Like, I think Blaze, I, I'm not sure if they all do the same thing. I was Axel and my friend was Blaze, and Blaze would, uh, like, flip me over her head, uh, and then I would crash into somebody else, and I wouldn't take any damage, but the other person would. And I was like, whoa, that's neat. So um, I remember thinking that was a really cool concept. So eventually I got Streets of Rage 2 first, and then I went back and bought Streets of Rage 1. But I remember being very impressed with it, uh, and the graphics, and, and of course the music. So. so speaking of which, John, would you like to talk about the music a little bit, buddy? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the music was done by Yuzo Koshiro. And um, if you want to talk about a chameleon of a composer, uh, just to give you a little perspective, Yuzo Koshiro, Streets of Rage. Yuzo Koshiro, Actraiser. It's the same guy. Uh, in fact, uh, if I if I remember the the uh, story of Streets of Rage, Actraiser is actually was actually Yuzo Koshiro's pedigree, uh, that kind of more classical orchestral stuff. Um, and he really hadn't he'd been commissioned to work on this game that was supposed to have a real gritty urban feel to it. And um, what he ended up doing, he did a little field research basically. Uh, what he ended up doing was hanging out in dance clubs in the United States and just you know hanging out, listening to the music, taking notes. And then he went back and composed uh, this this truly epic score, which really does just nail the U.S. kind of the U.S. urban club sound of the late '80s, early '90s. The usage of hardware uh, was really fantastic. He used a lot of sampled percussion. He used a lot of PSG for the melodies. For instance, for instance, the title the title screen. You've got that kind of droning, and then you have the little that little soft mel- melodious voice over top. The mel- that little melody voice is PSG. So that's just a plain square wave vestigial from the master system that's, that's making that sound. And he uses it to really great effect throughout. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you, you said the title screen. So you're talking about like when the words are scrolling up. That thing that almost sounds like a lead guitar playing, is that the PSG? I'll demonstrate. Oh, please. Uh, I'll play it. I'll play the, th- the whole track and then I'll isolate out the PSG for you. That's PSG. Oh, excellent. Nice. That's right, Nick, uh, you're going to have to rap. Oh, yeah, here, here. We'll set that up. <laughs> oh, no, you might not want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when in doubt, just go with Turtle Power. <laughs> On the half show. <laughs> ah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Check it. Check it. <laughs> That's all we got. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Okay, so that's what the PSG sounds like. Yeah, and it's um, PSG has a very consistent sound across the board. Um, for example, uh, let's say the final stage of the game. We'll start. But then I add the FM back. That's sample percussion, by the way. That's not FM. audio overload um, that's not accurate. One thing about emulation in general when it comes to Genesis music is um, the PSG is much stronger in emulation than it is on actual hardware. Uh, in fact, when I got my um, 
Model 1 Genesis with the, the VA6 motherboard, the good sound hardware, I actually thought it was broken because everything that was PSG sounded really faint. But actually, it's right. I don't know why there's not an emulator out there that can get it right, but PSG is always too loud in emulation. So if you're ever, that's another thing, if you're ever listening to something on actual hardware uh, versus emulation and something sounds too loud, probably PSG. One other thing that's really interesting about this track, and it's about to come up, so I'll just let it roll. It's one of the rare tracks where you can actually hear playing sine waves. Uh, I'll isolate out that FM channel here. Unless you have um, good bass, you're not even really going to be able to hear it very well, but all Genesis FM music is made with sine waves. A little crash course on how FM works. You have carrier oscillator, which is a, just a plain waveform that you can hear, and with Genesis it always has to be a sine wave. And then you take these modulator oscillators, which you can't hear, but whose influence on the carrier you can hear. And this is very, very crass. It's very oversimplified. But imagine wave plus wave divided by two. So kind of an averaging thing. Um, and you can do it. You can. I mean, most, most of them are four operator. The Genesis is four operator. So you can have one carrier and three modulators. And just imagine like one plus one plus one divided by, I don't know, 2.35 or something. And that's how you get your sound. Um, but you, you, with FM music, you know, you have the really abrasive, actually it kind of started, um, the final notes of Round Clear on FM, ch or FM Channel 1, that really abrasive sound, mm -hmm. think about this, it is nothing but plain sine waves, crisp, you know, kind of nice little woo sound being modified by other ones until you get this kind of jarring abrasiveness. That's FM. Awesome. Which you hear quite a bit in uh, a lot of Genesis tracks. Well, it's in, in all of them except for the Frogger soundtrack. <laughs> because it's it's the PSG is just a supplement. It's a, it's a vestigial organ carried over from the master system with backwards compatibility. But they decided, hey, we can use this thing to add square wave tones to our FM stuff to kind of diversify the sound palette and make change it from a six channel sound system to a 10 channel sound system. It really is kind of a supplement, but a lot of games make use of it. Right. And if you like that kind of stuff, check out Nerd Noise Radio. <laughs> Perfect plug. <laughs> awesome. All right, so uh, Landon, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about the gameplay real quick, my man? Sure. Um, gameplay is just your, you know, your standard beat em up. You've got your jump, you've got your punch, and you've got your special, which isn't it in this one, instead of the characters having the special move, they call in the, the cop car that, like, bombs the area with the bazooka. Yeah. The yeah. Ford Probe of Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was, I always liked that better than the, I guess, the, the character doing, like, the special uppercut or whatever. It's just like, yeah, I want to call my cop buddies to come and bomb the place. Hang on a minute. But, you know, you uh, you're just walking through the streets. Uh, I played it a little bit before we actually got on the, the air here, and I forgot with Axel you can do like the grab where you knee him and then hit the jump button and go behind him and like suplex him back. Yeah, yeah, and, and if you just uh, if you kind of hold him and knee him, you can actually <laughs> spam him that way. Uh, you know, like the bosses and stuff. You mm -hmm. can just you know just lightly tap on B, I guess, to knee him. Uh, without actually flipping him over, yeah, you can just do that repeatedly, uh, and it'll never let him go until he dies. So I've been many <laughs> bosses that way. <laughs> well, that's how I had to beat the first boss. <laughs> but you know, you find the power ups in the. I think the first level they're in telephone boots. You get like the the lead pipe and baseball bat, maybe, and the the food. <laughs> the perfectly cooked uh, turkey leg. And the phone boots. I mean, who wouldn't eat that? <laughs> 
Yeah. How many uh, now? How many levels are there? Is it six? I think. I don't know. You know, I've, I can honestly say I've never beat that game. <laughs> how about you guys? Have you guys ever beaten Streets of Rage, uh, John? Yes, I have. It was just recently. In fact, oh, there we go. There's the game I beat recently. Uh, Streets of Rage One. <laughs> um, there are eight levels. Eight. Okay. Okay. I must have only made it to six. Yeah, level six is the kind of factory warehouse one. I think that's another track that uses the sine wave, that big boom. I'm pretty sure that's plain sign. Um, but yeah, yeah, so the factory is stage six. Stage seven, you're on this kind of elevator, um, this like cargo elevator, and people will drop from the sky or walk through a door. And the, the easiest thing about level seven is stand towards the upper uh, right corner of the screen and just keep throwing people over the edge. <laughs> And then level eight is inside the the headquarters. You have uh, you're walking down these like elegant halls, and it's a boss parade. I love that. For, I I can't take credit for that phrase. I I stole it from someone, but I, I love that phrase. It, it it says it perfectly, and it sounds funny too. Boss parade. Um, but yeah, so it's you know you beat up a bunch of kind of menial bad guys. You actually have these carts that you know like serving carts that come at you, and if you punch them, they'll have stuff. But if you don't punch them. Uh, they'll knock you down and take away energy, but and then you add yeah, just boss after boss after boss, and the very last boss is those two ladies again from stage five that were so hard. The ladies are the the ones in the blue. Yeah, and then when you beat that, you walk into the the big room where Mr. X is, and he asks you, "Do you want?" Basically, I mean, I think it's spruced up a bit, but basically, it's, "Do you want to join me or no?" Oh yeah, yeah. You, you're actually given a choice at the end. I forgot about that. Yeah, and if you say no, or if you say yes, then it's game over. The unhappy ending because you became the bad guy, which is actually the name of the track for the unhappy ending. You became the bad guy. Um, and if you say no, then it's on. So the game just literally that's game over when you say yes. If you say yes, then you have an ending sequence, you know, like a like a like a story sequence kind of thing. But it's unhappy ending, and it goes right to that. If you say no, then yeah, it's time to start beating up on the guy. And when you beat him, then you get the happy ending. Actually, you know what? I think I've heard now. I've never actually experienced this, but uh, I, I think if you play two player and one of them chooses yes, you have to fight that person. Is, is that is that true? Uh, that would, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I've never found myself in that situation, so I don't know. Oh, that, that would be pretty neat. So, you, you know, you make it that, that far, then uh, you have to fight your best friend for uh, to the death. Now, you do know you do know that in the arcade and Genesis versions of Double Dragon 1, if uh, you get to the end of the game, you're there to rescue the lady, you're fighting the guy with the gun, and if it's a two-player game and you beat the end boss, then you have to fight each other to the death for the love of this girl. Oh, wow. Which is, what a really shallow woman. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, here she is hanging from the wall, watching her, you know, watching these two brothers beat each other up. And, and you know, one of them dies, and then she comes down from the wall and just hugs and kisses the other guy like it's no big deal. <laughs> okay, I'll marry you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, put the cartridge back in a couple weeks ago, and uh, the beat-em-up genre at that era was definitely one of my favorites. And I, I feel it holds up um, over time pretty well. A lot of people kind of slam on it but uh i had a blast playing this game always do and uh you know this is something that came to my mind as i was playing it and i'd, I'd love to write a little piece on this it might already be out there but there's a you know the cl cliches and beat em up games you know things like there's always a fight on an elevator or on a bus and you find your you find your food in trash cans of all places and, <laughs> you know there's just all there's usually a guy that looks like jason from friday the 13th as your boss so there's just all these i was really noticing it as i played this game but uh, but it did bring back a lot of a lot of good memories and uh, the game plays real solid um like john says streets of rage 2 definitely uh, i actually played that a few months ago and beat that uh, before playing streets of rage 1 and it kind of it, it kind of felt a little sluggish a little slower but um it's still an awesome game uh still much better than most of the beat-em-ups that are uh, out there for the the 16-bit era right, right. 
I'm kind of glad you brought that up, uh, you know, about the hockey mask and, and uh, things like that, because I'm looking at the cover right now, and it's kind of funny, you know, Axel, he's wearing a yellow shirt, in the game he's got a white shirt. Uh, Blaze, she's got a, um, a white outfit on the cover, and in the game she's got red. And then you actually see a guy, Blaze is kicking a, a, a guy that's got a hockey mask right in the face on the cover. <laughs> awesome. Which is interesting, because that hockey mask guy never shows up in the game. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, speaking of the, the people who are in the game, I think the character design and, the, you know, obviously the level design uh, for, for this game was phenomenal. Like, I love the uh, the atmosphere of this game, the cityscape in the background. I love it when you're on the boat. You can kind of see the city lights in the background. Um, I love the characters themselves, especially the Freddy Krueger guys. You know, it looks like they it looks like they have gloves with the blades on them and everything. Mm. Uh, they're real tall. Uh, it looks like they got, like, overalls on under, you know, over top of a red shirt. They're, they're, I thought they were pretty neat. Um... I like uh, the boss from Stage 3. He looks like a giant, like, beefed-up wrestler <laughs> uh, with long hair. Uh, I've never made it to Mr. X, I don't think. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Looks like he's just wearing a business suit. Looks like a mobster. Uh, yeah, he's a handsome guy. Yeah, he kind of is. He's very put together. <laughs> game. I love the neon lights all over the place. I just think it's a, a very um, iconic game. Yeah, I think, the, I think aesthetically it's wonderful. Um, the only thing that's disappointing about it is it's always straightforward. You know, I mean, there's no, like, down at an angle or there's no, like, through a door into another room or anything like that. It's always, it's um, not quite on a rail, but it's just kind of like, you go sideways. That's right. it. <laughs> and they'll so. tell you, if you stand still after a while, they'll tell you, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, genius. <laughs> yeah, keep moving forward, Doug. <laughs> yeah, well... All right, so I guess we got to ask this big question, guys. Does this game hold up? Landon, what do you think, buddy? I think it does. I think it, it you know, it's kind of one of those, it was the first of its genre on the Genesis. It and I think Golden Axe were probably the two most well-known beat-em-ups on the Genesis. <laughs> but I do. I think it holds up. What, what do you think, John? Um, well, I yes. I I'll, The short answer is yes. Um <laughs> I think graphically it does it doesn't really hold up super well, uh, but that's definitely something that was corrected in two and three. I think uh, musically it holds up amazingly. I think in terms of the gameplay it holds up fantastically. So yeah, with 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 an asterisk, uh, yes, it holds up. Right, Nick. Yeah, it definitely holds up. Um, you know, I mean, you definitely see the evolution of the, the beat 'em up genre throughout the 16-bit era, and, and a lot of those early games like Old Max and Streets of Rage kind of set the stage for that. And then there's there's better games out there than Streets of Rage, but for the simple fact that that's where that series started and where it, uh, just the mechanics began, absolutely it holds up. And I can still put it in today and have a blast playing it. I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm button mashing like crazy just to get through the stages, and I know I'm a, I'm having a great time playing it, so it holds up for me nice. most definitely. Button mashing would get the cops called right away. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta be real careful not to hit that A button. <laughs> <laughs> Car. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same way you guys do. I, I feel like um, you know, for the first entry into a, a, a major series for the Genesis, I thought this was very solid. I love the music in this game. I think it's almost as good as the music in the second game, which uh, to me is almost perfect for me. But uh, I. I just think this one holds up um, easily, uh, and, and it's one, you know, I, I went to play it uh, about two weeks ago, and uh, I just picked up right where I left off. I thought it was a fantastic game, and I cannot believe that it's already 22 years old. That just blows my mind, because I remember when it came out. So, so uh, I think we all decided that it's a pretty good game. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. yeah, great game. Um, something really funny about the Japanese version, Bare Knuckle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
The title screen is the same as the American one, except it says Bare Knuckle instead of Streets of Rage. But if you're paying close attention, none of the characters on the, on the title screen have Bare Knuckles. <laughs> is that right? You know what, guys? In all seriousness, I, I know Streets of Rage was just a game, but, you know, think about it. It could happen. Think about how chaotic our world is. Think about all the crime, the corruption, the hate that embodies our streets. It kind of makes you angry, you know? These streets, our streets, are crying for help. It's almost like you want to do something about it, you know? Yeah, man, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's about time somebody protects the streets around here, where we live. It's time we take back the streets and make a stand. What do you think, Landon? You with me? Sure, uh, but I need to go grab my white sleeveless t-shirt first. But yeah, I'm in. Cue the sweet techno music. Dang! Where's all the crime? Well, that guy holding the metal pop looks pretty shady to me. Yeah, let's get him! Oh, hey guys. My wife sent me out to pick up a pipe for the sink. Beautiful weather we're having today, huh? Makes you feel glad to be alive and... Take this! Oh, I'm terribly sorry if I offended you somehow. Sometimes my wife says I could be a bit of a grump. No hard feelings? Ugh, this is no fun. Hey, you! Whoa, Rob, look out! He's got a knife! You got that right. Take this. There. That long string from your shirt would have been terribly embarrassing for you had I not intervened. Dang it! Why does everyone have to be so nice? Yeah, what is this? Canada? Wait! I know a place where we can find the ringleader of crime. His name is Mr. X. Sweet! Where is he? Over at the college. He's a professor now. Or so he says. Come on! Okay, let me just grab a turkey leg from under this trash can real fast. Hang on. Hey! Are you Mr. X? Why do you ask questions which you already know the answers? Listen, we know what you're up to, and we intend to stop you. I have never subscribed to the theory that political power flows from the battle of a gun. Dang it! Let's go. I can't get mad at this guy. Uh, I think we should just finish the podcast up. Yeah, I guess so. Nick and John don't have all day. <laughs> <laughs>